This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. Welcome. I'm Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast for Lehigh University's College of Business. Today is August 13th, 2021, and we're talking with Liuba Belkin about her latest research looking at the relationship between supervisors and their employees during times of crisis like the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Belkin is an associate professor of management in Lehigh's College of Business and holds the Axelrod Family Endowed Fellowship. Her primary research interests focus on affect and emotions in organizational settings and the role of emotions in negotiations, trust relationships, and managerial practices. She also studies the influence of electronic communication media on employee relations, decision-making, and performance. Dr. Belkin teaches graduate and undergraduate courses in conflict management, negotiations, organizational behavior, and managing people. Thank you for being with us again today, Dr. Belkin. Thank you, Jack. My pleasure to be here. One of your main research interests has long been the role of uh, emotions in organizational settings. And in recent years, you've been focusing more specifically on feelings and expressions of gratitude in the workplace and beyond. What is it about gratitude that initially attracted your interest and has obviously held it in recent years? Well, I have been studying various emotions throughout the course of my academic career, um, but since my initial focus was on emotional contagion and effects of emotions in interpersonal exchanges, dyadic exchanges, predominantly through electronic, electronic mediums such as email, and often in the context of interpersonal negotiations, the strongest impact in the settings are usually produced by um, negative rather than positive emotions such as fear or anger, which makes sense since people pay more attention to um, and assign more weight in their judgments and decision-making to negative rather than positive emotions. Again, this makes an evolutionary sense because evolutionary function of our brains are such that kind of when you're happy, it doesn't help you uh, to survive in adverse conditions. In fact, you can get killed or can be eaten, so, uh, but being happy relaxes you. So evolutionary throughout thousands of years, uh, we are more used to paying, uh, to putting heavier weight on negative emotions and not really assigning a lot of weight on positive emotions. So what we, when we did our experiments, my colleagues and I saw that while happiness expressions um, do produce some effects in um, interpersonal exchanges, they often inconsistent and happiness kind of a fuzzy emotion, so to speak. And uh, if you look at these body of literature in the last 20 years or so that studied um, the effects of emotions in um, organizational and negotiation settings, you will see that the majority examined uh, effects of anger, fear, anxiety, guilt, or shame uh, on individual and organizational outcomes. Mm -hmm. And while it's very important to understand these effects of all these negative emotions, there's such strong uh, uh, slant of the field on negative emotions was really uh, emotionally exhausting to me, so to speak, uh, and frankly, pretty upsetting. The other reason that I, I, about five years ago, I turned towards more towards positive emotions in organizational life, and specifically gratitude, is that in my everyday life, I'm a huge fan of positive emotions. 
I consider myself a happy and a very grateful person. And I'm truly convinced that besides some objective reasons, um, such as having a wonderful family, an amazing job, great friends, a large part of my happiness comes from deep feelings of gratitude I experience almost daily. Importantly, feeling grateful not only benefits me, making me a happy person, but it also benefits people around me. Because gratitude has this ability to focus people on the present moment, increasing awareness about the benefits of present, and inspire positive behaviors toward others. It's not an economic exchange of benefits. So when people feel grateful, research shows that they are more uh, pro-social. They are willing to help others who are not involved in this, you know, um, giving benefits to the focal person. So gratitude has this positive trickle-down effect for the society. And about five years ago, as I said, after presenting uh, my research project on emotions, mostly negative in negotiations at the annual meeting of the Academy of Management, one of the um, people who also works in the same field, Tony Kong, and who is the co-author on the paper uh, we're talking about today, we started talking about this session, how we're really tired of and exhausted uh, by studying all these negative emotions. And he also is a huge fan of positive emotions, especially gratitude. Uh, and we decided to start several research projects. We started with experimental studies. And uh, what we found was, for example, that expressing thanks not only inspires helping and it's good for building relationships, but also it gives you more money in economic exchanges uh, with strangers. It was very inspiring. We had some other work and then uh, done in this field. And then when COVID hit, it was just a natural extension of our research projects to see how feelings of gratitude played out in a major crisis. The study that we're going to be looking at was done between March and May of last year in that first uh, right. harrowing stage of the pandemic. And in the study, and as you mentioned, you co-authored with Tony Kong of the University of South Florida. You're right now, quote, the COVID-19 pandemic is novel, disruptive, and unprecedented, and has caused unexpected, involuntary, and swift adjustment of employees across industries. So what are some of the most significant ways it has disrupted people's lives, especially in the workplace, from the research you've been doing um, in several areas, basically since the pandemic hit? So we, we, we conducted several projects um, during this time. And while we did not specifically measure in this project or others uh, in terms of uh, how exactly it disrupted lives of our respondents, we did collect comments at the end, but also from um, personal collective experience of all of us, from stories in the media's news channel, we know that every aspect of our lives, all of us, personal, social work, it was just turned upside down. Uh, many companies temporarily closed their doors. Others tried to survive through predominantly remote mode of work, which is also was so novel, even to people who had some part-time telework, because it was such a different kind of uniform shift to remote mode and organizations and supervisors and managers and organizational leaders were not really ready um, to deal with it. So we, we're still learning as we go. Of course, the magnitude of disruption depends on the industry, right? So with hotels, sports, entertainment, travel probably being hit the worst, especially at the beginning. But what we heard from participants and their stories 
it's mostly fear, fear of sickness, uh, fear of illness, fear for their loved ones, um, fear of a known that you don't really know how long it will last. So all of this really distracted and perpetuated every um, time um, they would answer some questions, leave us comments, and it penetrated everywhere, all aspects of life from, again, family to uh, work to social lives, et cetera. All right, let's turn our attention to your latest study, which has been accepted for publication in the Journal of Positive Psychology. And that was one that was conducted, as I mentioned before, in that early stage of the pandemic between March and May of 2020, which was a time of high anxiety and great uncertainty for almost everyone, if not everyone. And it examines the supervisor-subordinate relationship by looking at how supervisors' expression of a moral emotion known as companionate love affected employees during that time. So let's begin by defining those terms. What constitutes a moral emotion? So moral emotions are those emotions that are linked to the interests or welfare, either of society as a whole, or at least uh, of persons other than the judge or an agent. So moral emotions can be, uh, by the way, positive or negative. For example, people often experience, experience negative moral emotions such as righteous anger or contempt when others break the law or do things that hurt others. And even though you might not be a victim, um, just a third party observer, your anger or contempt signals to the perpetrator that this is not acceptable. There will be punishment for their deeds. So that's a moral but negative emotion. Similarly, people very often experience compassion or empathy to others who are not related to them and offer help without expecting any gain in, in return. So again, any emotion that kind of other-oriented and concerns uh, the welfare of the society or other people, that's what constitutes moral emotion. So gratitude is this wonderful moral emotion that arises when individual perceives themselves as a beneficiary of someone's intentional behavior or actions to provide them with benefits and improve their welfare. And it can be another person that you experience gratitude towards, or it can be you feel like it, so kind of faith or God. So whatever it is, it's a very important positive emotion. And we already know from past research that this positive moral emotions, such as gratitude, they can buffer against and alleviate individuals' negative experiences. Uh, they can promote personal well-being, resilience in times of adversity, and improve social relationships. In fact, there, um, the same Journal of Positive Psychology, there's been a recent review of all this emerging studies on how individual well-being uh, fared also to speak during the pandemic. And this study showed that positive moral emotions can help individual well-being. What we did in our research, we kind of extend this line of, of, of research by showing that gratitude can not just help well-being, but gratitude can help people adapt more efficiently in early kind of these acute stages of a novel and disruptive crisis such as pandemic. Which brings us to um, companionate love, which is likely a term that the majority of our listeners have never heard used regarding supervisors in a work setting. 
Um, and spoiler alert here, but the, you know, one of the, the main findings of this your study is that supervisors who were able to express companionate love elicited gratitude from their employees, um, tying that together with what you were just talking about. So what does the term companionate love mean? So companionate love, as the term says, is not a romantic love. Companionate love is a complex and also other focused moral emotion, which is associated with interpersonal sensitivity and support, so to speak. So it comprises emotions of compassion, care, and love. So this is the uh, love that you find and have towards neighbors, friends, when you help others. So again, it's not a romantic love. It's, it's more about care and, and helping and about compassion. What are some of the ways that supervisors expressed companionate love uh, during this crisis that you found in your study? So besides measuring, there's a scale with several items to measure the magnitude of each of this emotion that comprise companionate love. We actually asked our participants to give us examples if they feel that their supervisor expressed it. And what we saw that, that there were so many different ways that they described it. It was very um, um, enlightening the way to see how people interpret um, uh, the, the, this, uh, this complex emotion. So some people said, well, my supervisor just stopped by and asked how I was doing. How is my family? I have people with certain conditions. And, and they really authentically, and, and, and again, with any expression of emotions, authenticity is really important. So subordinates felt that their supervisor authentically cared and that's why I asked questions. And for them, that was enough to feel grateful. For others, they said, well, knowing how tough it is, my supervisor actually uh, brought some supplies that were in deficit during this first months, like toilet paper and some other supplies that disappeared from shelves. And they actually saw it somewhere and uh, bought a couple of things for us. And, and, and that, that person who described this example uh, she said, well, I feel like a part of the family here because I, I see that supervisor really cares. Others said, well, I was crying and the supervisor asked me how he can help and gave me a hug and I felt better. And of course, with um, um, giving a hug can be very efficient, but of course, I, uh, you should ask people first before um, attempting it if it's wanted. In that case, it's actually helped them to feel better. Um, again, all of these different examples, they... Um, demonstrate that you don't have to spend a lot of money to show that you care, right? So if you can, for example, buy lunch or give, bring supplies, just something to make uh, people feel a little bit happier, less stress at ease, um, really helps. But on the other hand, you don't even have to do that. Caring, expressing compassion, asking questions genuinely, um, you know, or someone uh, actually um, provided examples, they received flexible work schedule because they had to, uh, to take care of their sick kids. So all of these things, and there are many, many things you can do as a supervisor to express this emotion. Probably should uh, take a quick step back. And in terms of how the study was conducted, um, it was a four-wave survey study with 111 U.S. working adults during those early months, as we said. So that means you were going back to people, I'm assuming four times <laughs> during the course of the study, to check in with them to, to see how their 
reactions and, and experiences were changing. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we started with almost 300 people, but because people just, you know, have other things. I'm, I'm actually very grateful that they continue to participate for this long period of time. They had definitely better things to worry about. Um, so we collected this data from full-time U.S. Um, uh, workers with very fine employment and demographic information from wide variety of industries and um, positions um, uh, they were working on. So first wave was about 300 people. Then two weeks after, we conducted another wave. And then uh, two weeks after, a third one. And then the final one. And we first measured their demographics. We asked about their living situation, their perceptions about uncertainty about COVID. And then, um, in, in the, uh, and then we measured, uh, asked them if during the past three weeks or so, when it was just the beginning of the pandemic, did the supervisor express this companion love? And when the people who said, well, yes, and gave us examples, then we followed up and said, well, why, uh, and we measured their gratitude. And then we measured kind of the way they perceived their role. And then finally, at the very end, we measured also the, um, the engagement, their behavior, um, engagement in proactive, risky behavior, such as voice, uh, speaking up, uh, talking about troubles, what's called constructive voice, which is extremely important behavior for organizations to be more resilient and survive because you want your subordinates not to be silent, especially when there is crisis, actually speak up. On the other hand, it's a very risky behavior. Unlike just helping others, there is no do, uh, kind of do, downside to, to this. You help others, maybe they will feel grateful, pay back, maybe not, but there is no risk. When you speak up, it can backfire. So oftentimes people stay silent if they don't trust their supervisor or there is no good relationship. So expressions of companion love actually increase not, uh, not just um, feelings of gratitude in their subordinates, but they actually uh, promoted this uh, proactive voice behavior, which in the long run is very beneficial to organizations. Now, you had started out with the survey with, with three hypotheses, and um, they were confirmed over the course of these surveys that you conducted. So you, you've talked about a couple of them, um, but what, what were the, the three hypotheses and what do they tell us about the working relationship? Well, first, we thought that um, expressing, again, genuinely expressing companion and love should uh, evoke uh, uh, feelings of gratitude in uh, subordinates. So expressing if sub a supervisors express uh, companion and love. We also thought that this expression should be particularly silent and important for gratitude in, um, in, uh, when employees perceive high uncertainty of a crisis. Because what past research tells us is that when people feel anxious, unsafe, they, they need some sense of certainty and security. They actually turn to their supervisors for care and compassion and love. And the more employees would feel uncomfortable and uncertain in this crisis, the more important those expressions would be to them and the higher gratitude feelings they would experience, which was the case. Mm -hmm. Then uh, again, based on past research, we know that such emotions as gratitude, they can actually broaden people's perceptions, what's called thought action repertoire. So people start to think differently about 
let's say there were. And we thought, well, people who feel grateful, they probably will expand, uh, broaden their perspective of what are their responsibilities are, uh, kind of going above and beyond, which in turn should really uh, promote their engagement in voice behaviors. And that's exactly uh, what we found in our study. Yeah, and that, that's interesting because, you know, obviously this was a dark time for a lot of people. And the idea of focusing on these, these positive moral emotions, um, ones that generate this sense of community, we're all in this together, you know, what, what can we do for each other actually help people, you know, it, not only is it positive for them, but and beneficial for them, but it, it helps the organization as well, seems to be one of the, the core findings you've had. Uh, absolutely. As you note in your study, and this is a quote, it seems easy to listen to subordinates, acknowledge their suffering, and offer emotional support. And it, it does indeed. So what are some of the main obstacles that prevent supervisors from doing that? And what are the steps organizations can take to help leaders acquire the skills they need to effectively express companionate love and cultivate gratitude from employees? Well, even though it seems easy to listen to subordinates, acknowledge their suffering, offer emotional support, oftentimes supervisors may not feel either comfortable doing so or they're just not able. They don't know how to do that. So with regards to being uncomfortable to express companionate love, well, we hope uh, that perhaps that the quotes, um, we actually have this in the paper, but examples that I shared with you today, um, really, and, and the results of our study, can serve as an inspiration to supervisors uh, because they illustrate that subordinates not only appreciate supervisors' expression of companionate love, they really value it and reciprocate this kind uh, acts when possible, such as with um, proactive uh, engagement in voice. Uh, regarding the later problem, inability to express companionate love, and that's oftentimes uh, the bigger problem. There is a wealth of research, um, clinical psychology, showing that compassion training and coaching um, coaching with interpersonal emo emotion management skills can help those who are unfamiliar or unable to do so. For example, brief compassion training using me uh, meditation-based techniques such as love and kindness meditation are proven to be effective means for eliciting compassion towards others. It actually encourages uh, people to express more freely these emotions and encourages prosocial behavior even towards strangers. Importantly, um, in order to aid their employees in stressful times, organizational leaders need to develop what's called interpersonal emotional management skills. So we all manage our emotions in selves, right? So we regulate yeah. our negative emotions. We try to kind of reframe oftentimes to feel better uh, in, with the, uh, our emotions to kind of make them turn negative to positive emotions, so to speak. Uh, but we also regulate each other's emotions. And when this done strategically and skillfully by managers, encouraging people to what's called situation modification, right? So encouraging their subordinates to look at the situation uh, from a different angle or encouraging to reappraise and think about positive and benefits that they have, it really 
um, produces um, very uh, beneficial outcomes to organizations. This is a little bit uh, going to the other study we are conducting. It's not published yet. I'll hope to, uh, to talk about this uh, sometime in the future, but we, we see preliminary findings that are very encouraging with respect to this interpersonal management uh, tactics. And these skills can be trained. And finally, we suggest that supervisors, especially amid crisis, try to cultivate subordinates' gratitude more directly, not necessarily just with um, companion love expression. There are other ways to do it, and, and they should probably cultivate it first and foremost in themselves and, and their uh, subordinates um, as well. So there are different gratitude interventions that show to work in the workplace, um, in social settings. Again, there is more and more literature in, in, in the management field appearing um, that shows that these interventions are pretty efficient in the short run and also in the long term. So supervisors' companion love expression is just one of the ways to elicit gratitude. Uh, but other methods such as journal writing, uh, counting one's blessings, or what's called best possible self method, when uh, this exercise that promotes the um, positive view of oneself when someone imagines um, best possible future after working hard towards it, all these interventions, they're pretty brief in duration, sometimes a couple of weeks, but they have been shown to have very important, strong effects um, on individual well-being and also behaviors in organizations. And they can effectively elicit subordinates' felt gratitude. I'd like to thank you, Dr. Balkin, for being with us again today. It's been fascinating as always, and a good reminder, I think, for, for all of us that accentuating the positive, especially during these difficult times, um, is, is beneficial for us and for those around us. That's a good message to take home. Thank you, Jack. It's, it's been my pleasure um, being here talking about my research, but it's especially, um, to me, it's especially meaningful that um, the topic of this research and indeed um, uh, the findings that positive emotions really help people to adapt and survive and resist the adversity are really, really encouraging. I'd like to once again thank my guest, Liuba Belkin. Her research has been published over the years in such prestigious academic journals as the Journal of Management, Journal of Applied Psychology, Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, Journal of International Business Studies, and Organizational Behavior and Human Decision Processes. Her most recent study will be published online sometime in the near future, hopefully, in the Journal of Positive Psychology, and we will add a link to it once it is up there. Her research has also garnered considerable media attention from such leading business and financial news outlets as Business Week, The Financial Times, CNBC, The New York Times, The Boston Globe, The Wall Street Journal, and many others. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh Business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Lehigh Business. This is Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>